Good morning, humans of the Twin Cities. This is Ellie Krug speaking to you from the bunker of AM 950 on LE 2.0 Radio. I am thrilled to be with you on this wonderful Monday morning. Thank you so very much for allowing me to occupy a part of your brains. And we have a phenomenal show uh, this uh, wonderful Monday morning. Um, our show and our theme is about philanthropy and idealism. And I think it's going to be something that will be quite memorable for you, or so I hope. I'm, that at least is my goal with every show that I do on LE 2.0 Radio. Um, so, a couple of things. Remember that this show is about idealism. I call myself a practical idealist. I also call myself at times a hopeless idealist because I am hopeless at times. And for those of you who are new, so regular listeners, you know what's coming. Sorry, but I just, I'm neurotic and we need to do this. So regular new listeners, if you've never heard me before, never heard of Ellie Krug before. So here's the deal. I, my name is Ellie. I'm female, but I'm also transgender. So that's why I have what sounds like a a man's voice, a dude's voice on the radio. And so there you go. I'm one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Okay, this is the last time we'll talk about that, at least until the next segment. Um, because, well, you'll, you'll see when we get to it. So our theme today is about idealism and philanthropy. Um, and to a certain degree about how life changes inspire idealism and, and uh, philanthropy, or at least unleashes it. For this slot, what I call my A slot, I want to talk about some pretty big uh, philanthropists, Bill and Melinda Gates, and their foundation, the Gates Foundation. I Actually, I think the technical name is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. We'll just call it the Gates Foundation for purposes of our show. Most people know who Bill Gates is, founder of Microsoft. And uh, depending on the list you look at, he's either the first or second richest person in the world. And he married his um, Melinda, and they have some children. I don't know how many, but we don't need to get into that. They launched the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in 2000. And in 2008, Bill Gates retired from Microsoft to devote his entire energies to the foundation. If you go to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation website on the landing page, you will find the first words about what this foundation is about. So if you go there, you'll see that it says, quote, all lives have equal value, unquote. And then the tagline under that is this. We are impatient optimists working to reduce inequity. I love that, frankly. Impatient optimists. So one person's optimist is another person's idealist. I think I can go with that. But impatient. Yes, that is the right word. Maybe I need to start calling myself an impatient practical idealist. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe we will. Because impatience does kind of spell it out, doesn't it? We are wasting time. All of us. As a society, we are losing time. That is for sure. And um, we need to get going and doing things. So the, the foundation, the, Microsoft, uh, the Gates Foundation, has three trustees, Bill and Melinda Gates and Warren Buffett. You know that Warren Buffett of Warren Buffett fame out of Omaha. The, the foundation has assets close to $38 billion, that was with a B, and an endowment close to $50 billion, another B. It is the largest private foundation in the world. Um, and Warren Buffett has used the Gates Foundation as a way to give away his money. So, um, and uh, the way the, the foundation is structured is that all the money needs to be gone within 20 years of the death of the death of Bill and Melinda Gates. Whoever survives last, 20 years after that, all of the money has to be gone. They do not want this foundation to be ongoing. The foundation has several areas that it concentrates on. Healthcare and disease eradication, education, agricultural development, and policy to improve the lives of humans and to fight poverty. Some of the work of the, of the Gates Foundation is in the U.S., but the majority of the work is outside the U.S. in developing countries. Between 2009 and 2015, 
Funding to control infectious diseases spent by the Gates Foundation totaled $5.5 billion. We, we're continuing to speak with bees here. To control malaria, because they've had a great focus on malaria. In fact, until they really started focusing on malaria, the emphasis on malaria eradication had really just gone by the sideline. So, to control ma malaria... Um, they've spent $1.4 billion. That was as of 2015. They've spent more since then. To control AIDS and HIV, they've spent $1.3 billion. And then, between 2009 and 2015, they've spent $400 million on basic health care. The, these are real dollars. I mean, this is a lot of money. And you may have heard about the Reinvent the Toilet Challenge to create toilets off the grid to reach the 1 billion people who have no access to sanitation facilities whatsoever. They are behind that to create an innovative toilet for humans. On the education front, they've established the Gates Cambridge Scholarships, uh, similar to the Rhodes Scholarships, to allow students from the U.S. and the world, I think it's 100 students a year, to study at Cambridge. Um, in the U.S., the Gates Foundation uh, wants to empower women and girls, and it has funded charter schools and worked against teacher layoff policies that are based on seniority. As you may know, that sometimes um, our most passionate and innovative teachers are our newer teachers. The foundation is also working to fight poverty. And they are funding studies on how to help people move up the economic ladder. So, I mean, they are on a variety of different levels. I think there are 1,300 people employed by the foundation. And interestingly, um, last fall, Bill and Melinda Gates took a trip to the South, that would be the United States South, the American South, to learn more about poverty. And as I read that, I thought, wow, that is kind of unusual, kind of interesting, because, and I thought it was kind of way cool, because my regular listeners, my longtime listeners, will recall that earlier this year in February, I too took a, I took a road trip to the South, um, in part to understand poverty, but really to understand what it meant to be quote-unquote other in the South, whether that was LGBTQ or other in some other form. So there you go. The Gates and I, we have that in common. Going and exploring the American South to get a better idea, to build our perspective about how to make the world a better place. If you go to the Gates Foundation website, and I highly recommend that you do that, um, you will see that they are based in Seattle. And they actually, they have two buildings. I mean, this is a big operation. They have two buildings. One, in one of those buildings, they have a thing called the Discovery Center, which is kind of, kind of museum, kind of uh, media center, um, where you can go and you can go visit it. They have programming on a daily basis. It sounds like they do pretty cool things. And then, um, if you go again to their website, you will see that they have... Every year, Bill and Melinda Gates put out what they call their annual letter. And this year's annual letter came out in, um, in February of 2018. And uh, this letter was organized around uh, the toughest questions we get. And they begin, off, they begin their annual letter with this. Quote, We are outspoken about our optimism. These days, though, optimism seems to be in short supply. The headlines are filled with awful news. Every day brings a different story of political division, violence, or natural disaster. Despite the headlines, we see a world that's getting better. Compared today to the way things were a decade or a century ago, the world is healthier and safer than ever. The number of children who die every year has been cut in half since 1990. Let me just say that again. The number of children who die every year has been cut in half since 1990. That is only 28 years ago and keeps going down. The number of mothers who die has also dropped dramatically. So has extreme poverty, declining by nearly half in just 20 years. More children are attending school. The list goes on and on. And... I mean, yeah, please take the time to read this letter from Bill and Melinda Gates. Um, and then if you do do that, you'll get to, um, you know, question number 10. And question number 10 is, why are you giving away your money? 
And uh, you'll hear later on in the show when I interview Vanessa Tennyson, I think that she'll talk about why she became a philanthropist um, to a certain degree. Well, Bill and Melinda Gates, when they talk about why are they giving away their money, um, they talk... Uh, they each have they each have sections of the newsletter. I love it. It's it, one speaking, the other speaking. They're not necessarily saying the same thing. But Bill says the reason that he gives away his money it's because of basic response. He quote it's the basic responsibility of anybody with a lot of money unquote. Melinda talks about being at home, growing up in a in a household. I think it was a very Catholic household about the need for social justice. And that she learned about social justice in Catholic school. Hmm, there you go. I wonder if she had the Jesuits uh, model. I, I'm a, a graduate of Boston College Law School, Jesuit Law School, let me tell you. So they're both about making the world a better place. And you know, that's what idealists do. We work to make the world a better place. We do. That's why I'm doing this show. I'm hoping to inspire some of you to want to make the world a better place. I know we all do. We all have empathetic hearts, but it takes work. It takes risk. It takes putting yourself out. That's what I'm trying to do every day. That's what I'm trying to do with this show, and I am so grateful that you listen. When we come back, we'll talk about, um, we'll talk with Vanessa Tennyson, a local philanthropist who's also a transgender woman. Uh, I would love for you to visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me. I'd love hearing from listeners at lejkrug at gmail.com. And uh, when we come back, we'll continue with the show. Thanks. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Join over 300,000 Minnesota families by choosing Warner Stelling to be your appliance specialist. Our customers have helped us be very good at selling, installing, and servicing appliances. We work hard to earn your business. Choose Warner Stelling to be your appliance specialist. Hi, Gregory Rich, owner of Habitation Furnishing and Design and host of Drink in the Style right here on AM 950. Hey, I've only got a few seconds, so here's the deal. Habitation is the coolest furniture store in town. Not only have we got some of the most exceptional furniture in the cities, but in many cases, Habitation can offer you store credit on your existing furniture. Stop in, talk to one of our designers, and let us help you make your home exceptional. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. Your adventures begin at Seaver's Fall Festival. Open every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday through October 28th next to Canterbury Park in Shakopee. It's fun for the entire family. For more information and to buy tickets online, visit SeversFallFestival.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you.
back on LE 2.0 Radio. Oh my goodness. You know, I could probably have spoken all morning about the Gates Foundation and the work that they're doing. Say what you will uh, sometimes about Bill Gates, but I think that they're doing incredibly wonderful work. And speaking of incredibly wonderful work, <laughs> the big interview today is with um, Vanessa Tennyson, who I, um, listeners, you need to know, Vanessa is actually a dear friend of mine. But uh, the uh, 311, 411 on Vanessa is that she is a former executive with a major um, HVAC company here in the Twin Cities. That's correct. Now, re now um, not moved retired. On. Moved on. Moved on from there. And so, Vanessa, welcome to LE 2.0. We'd love to have you here. Thank you. It's a real pleasure. And, you know, and... Um, I'm having you here because, well, first of all, you're my friend, but more importantly, <laughs> because, uh, you know, you believe in philanthropy. I do. And, I mean, you're on a much smaller scale. I don't want to insult you. I'm not quite Bill Gates, no. Not, much smaller scale, but um, you're, you believe in that. And then, in addition to that, you and I have in common that we're both transgender women. That's correct. And um, and I wanted to have you on the show to talk about about your philanthropy, but also about how transitioning genders may have helped shape your world, as your perspective, and what you're doing right now in terms of trying to make the world a better place. Right. So let's just get a little bit uh, about you. You are, how old can I get an idea? 60, just turned. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> Welcome you. to the club. And... Um, and, uh, but for a very long time, worked with uh, Michaud Cooley, right? Correct. Um, as the, was it the chief operating officer? I was. All right. And, and then uh, recently left. I did. And since you've left, you've done some very amazing things. Oh, um, thank you. You've, uh, first of all, uh, most recently what you've done is you've, uh, you've funded an endowed scholarship for the Carlson School at the University of Minnesota. And I want to come back to that, but that's okay. one of the things. But then you've become a volunteer for Outfront Minnesota, which is an LGBTQ advocacy organization. Yes. But in that capacity, you're far more than a volunteer because you've also become somebody who is um, a telephonic, telephonic counselor. I mean, you are a crisis counselor, and I... Yeah, I know this because I know you. You are getting phone calls at 3 o'clock in the morning from people who are in great distress. That's right? true. This is not the normal thing that people do when they go <laughs> on and move. So, Vanessa, tell us a little bit about, first, about the scholarship, if you would. A good friend of mine named Chris Marys, uh, one of the heads of philanthropy at Carlson, uh, he actually called me out of the blue. Uh, a friend of ours, we both went to school at the University of Minnesota, and a mutual friend of ours had run into him and... and uh, he asked about me. He said, you know, how's Joe? And he said, oh, you didn't hear her. You know, she uh, is now Vanessa. And he was, you know, taken aback and thrilled. And we had breakfast and kind of reconnected. And he talked about, you know, what he's doing at the university and what was I doing and where are our futures going. And I said, you know, one of the things that I would like to do on an endowment, and I was, at the time I was talking about life insurance as a legacy endowment, um, was get a scholarship for people in not business ethics, but ethical behavior as a human being. And unfortunately, they didn't have anything like that. Um, and so about 18 months went by, Chris contacted me again and said, how would you consider a current contribution live scholarship? And I said, well, let's talk about it. I said, it has to involve diversity. It has to involve diversity of every kind, including LGBTQ. Um, and I said, obviously, that's important to me. Um, but diversity as a whole is important as an issue all over. And Carlson School is, is no different than many other institutes of higher education in that they just don't have that diverse a population. They probably don't have that diverse of faculty either, would be my guess. That's probably true. Uh, but they are on, on the leading edge of making change, and I was impressed with that. Good. Uh, I now sit on their alumni board, uh, and their whole focus is diversity, is getting back in touch with people and then connecting outward uh, to allow undergraduates and recent graduates and even recent uh, parents, if you will, kids who have legacies that may be coming to the Carlson School, uh, to impact them in a manner that allows an expansion 
of the expectations of business leaders going forward. Okay. Well, that, I mean, those are really great goals. Um, a lot of people adhere to those goals, but they don't fund a scholarship. So <laughs> thank you for doing that. And You're when welcome. will the scholarship kick in and how many students will it serve? Uh, it will start in the fall of 2019. So uh, I should add, we're calling these folks Tennyson Scholars. Is that we correct? Are. That, we are. That is just very cool. Thank you. Um, the way a scholarship works is the University of Minnesota Foundation actually runs the scholarship. You sign up for uh, a number of parameters that you want, and then they do their best, quote-unquote, to fulfill those parameters as it goes forward. Um, it must include diversity, preferences given to LGBTQ. Um, and so if, if those things run out, they can either choose to hold the scholarship or give it out to other uh, students of need. Uh, it starts 2019-2020 school year. It can be a uh, full tuition scholarship for one student. Uh, it's obviously need and academic-based, so they may have three or four students that uh, don't have a full academic need, and they split the scholarship up. So it's really up to the foundation to decide how and when to use the money the best way. Well, thank you for doing that. You're Congratulations. Welcome. It's my pleasure. So, Vanessa, um, we're going to have a break in a minute, but what I wanted to at least get started is why. Why, you know, I have known you now for several years. You have one of the biggest hearts I've ever <laughs> seen in a human. You really do. You're and, very kind. You know, what What got you, I mean, and, and intertwined with this is being transgender, because yeah. you and I both know that when... You grow up according to your birth gender, you know, both uh, identified as male when we were born and all of that stuff. And then we realize something is up with, with us as it relates to gender. You, like me, tried to stay, you know, conforming to society into male. And once we realized we could no longer do that, once the lid was off, um, both of us, I think it's, I don't want to speak for you, but both of us pivoted in a major way. That's about, correct. About the world trying to be better, yeah. making the world better. Why do you think that happened? I've got, you've got about uh, 50 seconds to tell me that. <laughs> we'll come back to it after the break. Okay. Um, well, like you said, you know, when you live your life one way uh, and you feel odd, you feel something's wrong or whatever, you're, you're, you're trying to distract yourself for the longest time. Um, and then when you discover what it is and how it can be corrected, um, there's kind of this metamorphosis. There's there's a butterfly that opens its wings, as mm -hmm. it were, and, and actually um, becomes something else. Um, it's a derivative of the person that was in the body and is now expanding into a different version of that same person uh, because your, spec your, per your perspective changes. Uh, my parents hammered in the golden rule, that, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And you know, so I lived my life with a philosophy of helping other people first and myself second or, you know, in, the, in that manner. And so when I decided to leave Mashad Cooley and move on, that just ended up expanding itself into a whole different humanity realm. Well, that's good. Wonderful. That's a great place for us to jump off when we come back from our break. Listeners, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, um, speaking with my friend and a philanthropist, uh, Vanessa Tennyson. When we come back from our break, we'll continue our discussion with Vanessa. And uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be back in a second. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now.
Fall is an important time to call the window washing and exterior cleaning experts Blue Sky Services to prevent seasonal changes and potential winter damage. Look at your roof. Do you have black streaks, blotches, or algae? Don't wait for the cold to have these freeze. Cleaning is much cheaper than replacement. September's schedule is filling quickly, so don't neglect your windows, gutters, or siding cleaning. Call 651-447-4484 to book your fall cleaning before their busy season schedule fills and tell them that you're an AM 950 listener. That's 651-447-4484 or blueskyservices.com. Burger Mo's gorgeous patio is open for the season. Enjoy nightly happy hours, more than 60 beers on tap, and the weather while you watch your favorite game on the outdoor screen. And don't miss live music Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Offering 20 fresh, never-frozen burger varieties, Burger Mo's also offers delicious appetizers, soups, salads, as well as unburgers, dogs, paninis, shakes, and desserts. Burger Mo's is located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul with plenty of free parking and online at BurgerMo's.com. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be partly sunny with a high near 75, while tonight's mostly cloudy with a low around 62. Tomorrow is mostly sunny with a high near 80, Wednesday partly sunny with a high near 82, and Thursday sunny with a high near 82. Break away from the ordinary and find a list of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Great spots for date nights, evenings with friends, or business occasions. Support your local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Ellie 2.0 Radio. I've been speaking with Vanessa Tennyson, um, another transgender woman like me. There you go. You're getting you're getting a two for today. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but we've been uh, talking uh, a little bit about her philanthropy, um, which um, in part I think uh, triggered by the ability to finally live authentically as who you are. And before we took our break. You were talking about growing up in a household where your parents stressed the golden rule. Mm -hmm. and um, But there are a lot of households where that is stressed. And it does not necessarily make um, for somebody who decides to pivot in such a big way. And you did. I mean, you have pivoted from a very prominent, uh, well-paying um, corporate position. That's true. Now to a volunteer um, for LGBTQ causes and um, and 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 somebody who is being um, awoken at three in the morning when people are calling, <laughs> who are people who are calling you who have nowhere close to the amount of privilege that you had. That's very very true. And continue to have, but you yet have put yourself out there. To, to listen to them. And will you talk to us a little bit about that? Why, how do you go from very a powerful COO of a company of several hundred people um, to talking to somebody in great crisis who happens to be gay or lesbian or transgender at three in the morning? Catholic guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, but. You know, um, I don't, I don't have a solid answer to that other than that um, from an early age, I just grew up wanting to be nice to people. Um, I, don't, I don't know that it was anything in particular that was purposeful. It was just, you know, I would see something, I would want to fix it. I want to want to help it. And I was very fortunate in my career. I had a lot of doors open that 
I fortunately walked through and didn't get slammed in my face. Right. Um, I worked very, very hard, as you did. Um, you know, being labeled a workaholic, um, I never viewed as a negative. <laughs> 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 well, workaholic just means I work a lot more hours. It doesn't mean I skip my family. Um, and so I had the opportunity to do quite a few different things in my career. Um, when I left, uh, I thought, you know... I've been really, really fortunate, and it is incumbent upon me, not just as a transgender person, but as a human, to uh, bring forward things that I have the opportunity to do so with. I, I, I have the money. Um, so when you have the money, spend it, and spend it in the appropriate and right places and places that make you feel good and that actually helps other people because... Honestly, you can't take it with you, and I know that's a you know old cliche, but the reality is you don't want to take it with you. You want to leave a legacy. You want other people to have the opportunity to expand upon what you started. And you know, being a transgender woman was never anything I planned about. You know, it just happened. And, Amen. <laughs> and you know, people are constantly, "Oh, you're so courageous and you're brave," and I'm like, you know, I I know you see it that way, but it's just not true. I'm just being who I'm supposed to be. and Finally, though. Yeah. Finally. And, and you know, the, the courage happens a long, long time ago when you're trying to maintain a semblance of what is considered a normal life. That takes courage. Uh, coming out and, and actually being a woman and, and finally feeling settled uh, and purposeful, that's, that's the easy part. Well... You know, I use the phrase idealist. I call myself a practical idealist. Mm -hmm. I And I've always viewed myself as an idealist. I mean, my idealism goes back to Robert F. Kennedy and Dr. King, and the listeners have heard that ad nauseum. Um, but um, I could never allow that to show um, when I was presenting as a man because I was working so hard to try and stay male. Mm -hmm. And I was also... That was just too deep to allow the world to see inside me. You Certainly. Know? Because there's a lot of vulnerability about being an idealist. It is. There's a lot of, uh, you call yourself a, a servant leader. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I'll have you explain that in a second. But there's a lot of vulnerability when we allow ourselves to show up and say that we're going to try and do good in the world. Right. Because the vulnerability is is that people will try and kick us back. It's true. Or that will be thought of as hopeless dreamers, yeah. and I've had that thrown at me before. And um, but you know what? This is who I am. I mean, that's why we have this radio show. That's why I bring people like you on. Because and you're to be congratulated on that. Uh, well, thank you. You are. Um, but 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 I also believe that if we don't talk about idealism, if we don't talk about the good work that we are doing, not on a braggadocious basis, right. but simply on a basis of storytelling, that we are a society of storytellers and story listeners. This is how we learn to do things. This is how we find that things are acceptable for us or that are expected of us. So tell me, what, what is a servant leader? That you uh, servant, servant leader. Um, actually, the phrase has been around for... I think since the 1950s, since someone coined the term, but a servant leader is uh, a person who puts everyone else's needs ahead of their own and leads those people into a place of unity, if you will, um, everyone getting better, uh, puts the needs of the other person before their own needs. So in... As in, as in three o'clock in the morning right. phone calls. Well, don't laugh about it. I think that that's pretty significant. In a, in a business context, that would be profits aren't the first thing. The people's success is the first thing. People being happy, people being motivated, people being appreciated, uh, feeling that they're valued. The, the profits will just follow that. Um, but if you get stuck saying, I'm the boss, you know, you, you, you take the risk that you're wrong and you're not open to hearing how you are wrong and how others may be right. As a servant leader, you never run into that problem because you're constantly um, working on feedback. You're constantly asking others what they would think, what they would do, how they would react. Um, and it's, it's not only more fulfilling, it's much more human. It allows people the respect that for most of their lives, for a lot of the population, they just never get. And, um, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, growing up. When I came out, um, I had two very 
uh, different visceral reactions. My uh, asthma doctor, um, when I came out to him, he said, well, that doesn't surprise me. And I said, really, why is that? He said, because you would always compliment me on my glasses. And he said, I've never had a guy do that. <laughs> and I thought, well, there you go, another perspective that I hadn't even thought of. And I was a, uh, a, a self-acknowledged clothes horse. I liked to dress well. Uh, and on the other end of the spectrum, I had uh, a person I worked with say, I, I, I don't get this. You were the man's man. You had the car, the clothes, the house, the family. And I said, well, I guess it was a good facade, wasn't it? I said, I was just being who I had to be uh, in order to, to be okay with myself. And But when we do that, we tap down so many things yep. that... that allow us to really show up authentically and it's allow us true. I mean you know um, and what when I transitioned I you know I essentially said no more civil trial lawyer because that was a very time intensive very emotion intensive and I was beating people up I mean I was a pretty good trial lawyer um, and I'm like no I'm not doing that anymore because that's not who I am who I am is this kind and gentle human mm -hmm. who wants to make the world a better place mm -hmm. And who wants to say, come on, everyone, you can do this too. It yeah. is within you. Yeah. You know, and I do believe, I mean, one of the things I train on is that I do believe that all humans, 99% of us, have empathetic hearts. Absolutely I mean, one, agree. 1% social, total social path, but the other 99% of us have these empathetic hearts, but most of us are scared to death to exercise those hearts because we're afraid of what we're going to get involved in or we don't know how to get involved or, oh my God, it's going to cost me money or time or all kinds of, all kinds of heartache. But you know what? When you give people a pathway on how to exercise their hearts, they show up. They it's show true. up in droves. It's they absolutely really true. And, you know, your book quantifies very well the struggles you had uh, as oh, an aggressive, uh, uh, forceful male attorney. Uh, and I know that that transition was not easy for you, and it inspired me. Um, it, it, it allowed me to take from what you gave and expand it into my own world. Mm. And that's, that's pretty much, you know, inspiration comes from, you know, admiration. And when you, you know, for you it was Bobby Kennedy. Mm -hmm. um, when, when you admire someone, what they stand for, who they are, whatever it is, um, you naturally inspi get inspired to do better things yourself. Um, it's just a natural human instinct. Um, and I agree with you that 99% of the people out there have the capacity but don't have the knowledge or courage. And it does take courage. It, it does for our empathetic hearts to show up very often. So, um, Vanessa, before we leave, now you've gone out, you're doing this volunteer work, you're... You know, you're paving your way, you're, but you've also formed a company. Do you want to talk a little bit about your company? Certainly. Um, it's operations, uh, expertise, and management, and um, the tagline is Capitalize Your Humanity. So it's, you know, if you want to go see my website, it's CapitalizeYourHumanity.com. And really what it is is a management consulting firm um, wherein I would be hired to come in and help people understand servant leadership and help them get out of their own way let the people that work for them do their jobs and do them very well because that's what they're hired to do. Get out of their way. They can do their job really well, but you're, you're keeping them from doing that. So trust that the people that you hired are doing their job well. Let them do it. Let them grow in their world, which in turn will grow your world, which in turn will make the world a better place. Okay, so you're in the name of your company again? Operations, Management, and Expertise. Okay, and the website one more time? CapitalizeYourHumanity.com. Okay, well, that's great. Well, um, you know, I guess uh, last remarks. Um, Vanessa, it is a, um, it is a journey. Yes, right? it is. It's not a destination. No. Um, and uh, I'm in awe of you, and I want you to know that, because you do not need to be taking phone calls at 3 in the morning. I, even Ellie Krug. I don't do that, okay? I mean, I will take them up till 10 o'clock at night. But then after, I mean, there are some people have a license to call me at any time. But you don't need to do that. And, and I just want to tell you how much I um, admire you. You're very kind. For doing that. And um, I don't know, what closing thoughts? Do you have anything else you'd like to say? If you have it and somebody else needs it, then you should give it to them. <laughs> how incredibly... Beautiful. Thank you. 
Well, um, we've been talking with Vanessa Tennyson um, about her wonderful scholarship, the Tennyson Scholars at the Carlson School at the University of Minnesota, which will begin in 2019 to 2020. That's correct. And her company... Operations, Expertise, and Management. Okay, and how she's going out into the world. Um, again, a transgender woman just like me showing up and doing the work. Absolutely true. Not on a soapbox. Nope. Just who we are. Just live every day. Here we are doing our doing our stuff. Do the best we can. And Vanessa, I've just loved having you on the show. Please very con kind. continue to do what you're doing. Thank and you. you know I'm here for you, however I can help you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. All right. Everyone, um, you've been, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. People love my newsletter. When we come back, I will do my last segment, um, a little bit about my work, and I'll share a story with you about somebody in my life. Bye. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. My favorite meal of the day is breakfast, and for morning fiddles, I head to Milton's, 36 and Douglas in Crystal. My favorite is either the rib scrambler, scrambled eggs with ribs, portobello mushrooms, jalapenos, and pepper jack cheese, or the steak and eggs. My wife loves the pepper jack creamy grits and the stuffed avocados with poached eggs cradled in avocado halves. The kids love the French toast or the stuffed French toast filled with fruit and cream cheese. Top it off with coffee done my way from the Milton's coffee bar, and I'm ready for the day. Breakfast is waiting for you at Milton's, 36 and Douglas in Crystal. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores food co-ops and retail locations more information is available at naturaltwincities.com that's naturaltwincities.com hi this is mike pavantonio from ring of fire ring of fire is a direct smart and i gotta promise you a fearless progressive talk show join me mike pavantonio and my co-host bobby kennedy jr and sam cedar as we take on the large corporate conglomerates and that radical right-wing media that dominate america's airwaves Ring of Fire, Saturdays from 3 to 6 and Sundays from 6 to 9 p.m. On AM 950, it is the progressive voice of Minnesota. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Um, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you, um, Vanessa Tennyson has, is a hero of mine. She is. Um, and, you know, she is proof, and I guess I'm proof, of the fact that when humans are allowed to live authentically, you never know what they're capable of doing or willing to do. So I guess that's a talk for another time. 
Ah, but we are at my C block now on this show. And this last segment is where I talk about my work as an idealist or, as I'm going to do today, share a little bit about what makes me do this work. Um, I, I, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with this segment of the show because... I'm really, I don't like to be braggadocious and I really don't like to talk about me because there's a whole lot more in this world about things than Ellie Krug. However, um, the station manager, uh, Chad Larson, um, has made it clear to me that he wants me to talk about my work. He wants me to inspire people. And so here you go. So a little bit about me. I grew up in a family um, that historically had been poor. Um, my, I'm the first person in my family to go to college, certainly the first to go and get a graduate degree. And my father in particular had it tough. He grew up in the tenements of Newark, Newark, New Jersey. His mother died of cirrhosis of the liver due to her alcoholism when she was in her 40s. My father's father, that would be my grandfather, whom I never, who I never met, abandoned the family after his wife's, my grandmother, who I never met, uh, death. He abandoned my uncle and my aunt, who were um, a, barely, one barely a teenager, and the other, I think, was eight, eight or nine, ten years old, when, when my grandfather placed my aunt and uncle in an orphanage in Newark, New Jersey. By that time, my father was in the Navy. He ended up bootstrapping his U.S. Navy electronics education. He bootstrapped that into a white-collar job. My father... I mean, I grew up first in a lower blue, uh, lower middle income household, and then uh, my father, through hard work, uh, got us into upper middle, in upper middle income. My aunt is who I want to talk about on this segment. My aunt Margaret, um, my father's sister, placed in an orphanage as a kid. She didn't make it out of high school. Um, and she came to live with us, my father and my mother, and I had a brother and sister. She came to live with us in suburban New Jersey um, when she was a young teenager. She then eventually married a man who also didn't have a high school degree, so neither of them graduated from high school. They struggled. I mean, at one time, they lived in a farmhouse in Iowa that lacked electricity or plumbing, and that was during the winter. They had four kids at that time. The thing about my aunt, my Aunt Margaret, is that she is the biggest hearted person that I know. And I'm going to need to watch it right now because if I <clears throat> think about how good my aunt is, I'm going to start crying. There you go. Um, when my aunt only had two kids, she met a woman who was uh, a drug addict who had twin boys. They were young, young boys, four, four or five or six years old. This woman um, could not take care of them. My aunt and uncle agreed to take the boys in, first temporarily, and then it turned into forever. My aunt was always opening her home to people. And we are talking all kinds of people. People from biker gangs, people from carnivals, people with no places to stay. We are talking people that looked different, people that sounded different, people who were not high school uh, graduates. And you know the thing about my aunt is that she never judged any of them. Actually, my Aunt Margaret was the epitome, and continues to be, she is still alive, the epitome of compassion and kindness. Values that today, as Ellie Krug, living authentically, um, speak about greatly. There, there is a direct line, trust me, uh, between my Aunt Margaret and who I am today. Direct line. So just by watching her, I learned about the need to be open to all humans and that you can't tell anything about anyone simply by looking at them, about how they appear. My father died in 1990, and then my mother developed brain cancer not too long after that. And by the spring of 1994, my mother was on her deathbed. My Aunt Margaret put her life on hold and moved in with my mother for three or four months as my mother was dying to care for her, to devote herself to my mother. And she did that without hesitating. She just did it. After my mother passed, um, there was no provision in my mother's will for my aunt. 
And so um, the th- uh, my brother and sister and I certainly agreed right away that we would give my aunt my mother's car um, to, to thank her for caring for my mom. And then um, I did something because I wanted to honor my aunt. I mean, we're talking honor. And so I went to the local community college in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Kirkwood Community College, and I endowed a scholarship in my aunt's name. It is the Margaret Wells Endowed Scholarship. Its, to, it's purpose is to, sir, to um, help students who want to engage in helping careers like nursing, social work, that type of thing. They have to be in a helping career because that's the way my aunt was or is. And I wanted to honor her. So when I set this thing up, I wanted to make a big deal out of it for my aunt. And so the school contacted her, said that the scholarship was being um, set up. And they wanted her to come in and get a tour of the school. They wanted to thank her personally. And my aunt, she was so nervous because she didn't have a dress. She knew that she had to be dressed up a bit. And she's like, you know, how, how am I going to dress? What am I going to wear? We worked, we worked through that. We got to the school. And they gave her this welcome like she was the Queen of England. They did. They drove her around the school in the official school car. I think it was a Cadillac. Drove her around, showed her the whole campus. And then when we got back to the main uh, part of the building, they, they, took, we took her, they took her to the wall. I was with her on this trip, on this tour. They took her to the wall where her plaque for her scholarship would rest, where it would be. They made my aunt feel like a million bucks, as they should have, because she is certainly worth that much. And they helped me make her feel special, and I am very thankful for that. So every spring... She gets letters from the scholarship recipients thanking her for making um, it easier for them to go to school. And sometimes, you know, idealism has to be directed to just simply one person. Because sometimes that's really, really important to help make that person understand how important they are to you and to others in the world. So Aunt Margaret, if you're listening ever, I just want you to know I am me in part because of you. So thank you. All right. Well, here you go. That was another show. Um, A big thanks to our sponsors, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brendan Electrolysis in St. Paul. Contact Bev. Let her know that I sent you. She does phenomenal work. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett, you rock. A big thanks to you, my listeners, for putting up with me sometimes when I get emotional. Sorry about that. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.